0: Hello, and thank you all for being here. It's a pleasure to welcome everyone to this event. Since part of the excitement of an event is being here in person, may I ask everyone not to be recording the event um, or uh, using flash cameras during it. I'm very delighted to welcome LSE students, staff, faculty members, members of our board of Governors, Distinguished members of the House of Lords, leaders like Baroness Mary Goody, who's here, and may I extend a special welcome to our most distinguished guests the Right Honorable William Haig, MP, First Secretary of State, Leader of the House of Commons, and the Prime Minister's Special Representative on Preventing Sexual Violence in Conflict, and Ms. Angelina Jolie Pitt, Special Envoy of the UN High Commissioner for Refugees and co-founder of the Preventing Sexual Violence Initiative. We are here to do nothing less than bring academic research, knowledge, and teaching to bear on one of the greatest injustices of our time. That phrase comes from the conclusion of the statement of action adopted by the Global Summit on Ending Sexual Violence and Conflict that was convened in London last summer. That summit itself was a culmination of the Preventing Sexual Violence and Conflict Initiative launched by William Hague as Foreign Secretary in 2012. This built on the work of the United Nations and notably Security Council Resolution 1325, but it went beyond this and gave new prominence and urgency to issues from ending impunity for sexual violence in war to helping women in the processes of recovery. The initiative made impressive strides in government policy and public advocacy. It drew together the work of dedicated activists around the world, but it also made clear that there was a big lack, an absence, a lack of the kind of sustained improvement of the knowledge base and education that universities can provide. Today, I am privileged to be able to announce another step in the right direction, the foundation of the Center for Women, Peace, and Security at the LSE. This will be a vital global resource, and it is right that it is located in the United Kingdom in recognition of the impressive leadership this country has brought to the world. It is also right that it will be based here at LSE, a university long dedicated to bringing the highest quality of research-based knowledge Inform policy and effective public action. The new Center for Women, Peace and Security will be based in our new Institute of Global Affairs. This too is appropriate, for the IGA is devoted to integrating different academic disciplines in their attention to crucial public issues. The Center will bring expertise from law together with that from gender studies, anthropology, economics, international development, sociology, social policy, and a range of other fields. It will change scholarship and, I think, truly improve the world. The Center for Women, Peace, and Security will also have a unique teaching portfolio. In addition to bringing new content to our courses throughout the LSE, It will reach out to work with practitioners who are shaping and changing this field. It will build on their leadership, provide them with support, and help to renew their ranks. And in the end, it will be our graduates who achieve the greatest positive impact. People like LSE alumna Armenka Helic, who has been a leader in the Preventing Sexual Violence Initiative. Who is embarrassed that I mentioned (laughs) her, and will continue to lead as a member of the House of Lords. Helping to build new fields is something we have done since the LSE was founded. Putting academic research skills and the accumulated knowledge of dedicated scholars to work in making a better world is perhaps what LSE does best, and indeed something it does in ways unparalleled among the world's leading universities. We are determined to make a crucial difference in this new field, and as we do, we should recognize that our work is also a response to horrific and brutal actions, and that our commitment is in the long term to those who have suffered as well as to the cause of justice and the value of knowledge. I am delighted to have Mr. Hay and Ms. Jovi. Pitt here with us in person today, their leadership for the Women, Peace, and Security agenda has been quite extraordinary, indeed inspirational. The Center would not exist without their Preventing Sexual Violence and Conflict initiative, and their encouragement and support has been invaluable. I am excited that they will remain involved as advisors and advocates and visitors and participants to our programs. They are among the field's most prominent practitioners and leaders, and they are teachers to us all. Now we will hear from both of them, followed by Professor Christine Chenkin, the inaugural director of the new center. There will be opportunity for questions afterwards. Before I hand over to Mr. Haig, thank you all for coming and joining us today. I sincerely believe that this center within LSE will be an invaluable global resource In working to end this injustice. Thank you for joining us.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. I'm proud to be here to join in launching this historic new Center for Women, Peace and Security at the London School of Economics. By founding this centre, LSE is setting an impressive example to other universities in the UK and around the world, and I pay tribute to Professor Calhoun uh, and to Professor Chinkin and the LSE Council for their leadership on this. In a world of many different centres of influence and decision-making in which people, ideas and technology play a vastly important role in shaping events. We need new and innovative partnerships outside government to tackle the many problems of our time. And I believe this new centre is a powerful example of such innovative partnership as is the Preventing Sexual Violence Initiative itself. It has involved taking a vital global issue and working with NGOs, with experts, civil society and survivors in a completely new way, not only to try to secure action by governments, but to inspire a global change in attitudes. That is our ambition, a global change in attitude towards the use of rape as a weapon of war. And in that respect, I thank very much my fellow campaigner and co-founder of PSBI and this centre, Angelina Jolie-Pitt, to whose ideas, vision and experience this initiative owes a great deal. I'm also grateful to Professor Chinkin, who is a member of our advisory board on the Preventing Sexual Violence Initiative and an outstanding choice to lead the UK's first academic centre for women, peace and security. I also want to thank the men and women of the Foreign Office and across government who work on these issues with immense skill and dedication, confronting extremism, countering FGM, child marriage and child pornography. Combating the trafficking of women. They represent the best values of our country, and we should be proud of the work that they do. And above all, I want to acknowledge the survivors of rape and torture that I've had the privilege of meeting. I cannot speak highly enough of their courage, dignity, and integrity. Each step of our campaign has benefited from the advice and the contribution of survivors. My personal commitment to confronting this issue arose during my four years as Foreign Secretary and my years as Shadow Foreign Secretary before that, again and again on my visits to Sudan and to Bosnia, or when considering how to help the DRC or Somalia or make progress in Burma or support peace in Colombia. Sexual violence in conflict arose as an issue. It became clear to me that the cycle of rape and injustice was and is a major factor in perpetuating conflict and holding back development. But at the time, it was hardly talked about by foreign ministers or even considered a security issue. This is partly because it's such a painful and taboo subject. But it's also because crimes against women have been accorded a lesser priority throughout history. Sexual violence in conflict involves the deliberate targeting of women and children and men in ways that often simply defy the power of description. It is carried out for many different reasons, to inflict shame, humiliation and degradation, as a strategy of warfare or of political oppression, as a means of reprisal and punishment or ethnic cleansing or forcibly to displace populations. But what it certainly is not is something to simply be accepted as an inevitable feature of conflict. The consequences for survivors are utterly horrific. Severe injury and illness, rejection by their families, the inability to find or hold down a job and the loss of esteem that goes with it and a terrible psychological burden of shame and stigma, all affecting millions of people in our lifetimes and all rooted in the wider problem of inequality, violence, and injustice faced by women around the world, even outside conflict situations. Those who carry out these crimes not only devastate their victims, they destroy their place in society, and they intend to. The cumulative effect of meeting survivors and learning about this issue, including from depictions of it in art, such as Angelina's film In the Land of Blood and Honey, led me to conclude that the United Kingdom had a responsibility to confront sexual violence in conflict in a way that had not been attempted before. When you encounter such widespread and devastating suffering, you have to be prepared to consider doing things differently. Indeed, what would it say about us as a country if we knew of such injustice and did nothing about it? Foreign policy often necessarily involves responding to the sudden eruption of crises almost on a daily basis. The world is showing every sign of having entered a period of systemic instability, meaning the burden of day-to-day crises is going to become heavier and it's going to become more complex. But despite this, we always have to strive to do something else as the United Kingdom, and that is to try to improve the condition of humanity. And so in May 2012, Angelina and I began to work together on this campaign. We have taken it to the G8, to the UN Security Council and the UN General Assembly. Over two-thirds of the UN membership have now endorsed a declaration of commitment to end sexual violence in conflict. Last June, we staged the largest summit ever held on this issue, bringing together not just governments and UN agencies, but hundreds of survivors and experts from around the world and thousands of members of the public. At each stage, we've been able to break new ground, not least by ensuring this subject is discussed by foreign ministers and other ministers, which I can tell you is quite a revolution in their proceedings. We've set up a UK team of experts, these are lawyers, doctors, forensic experts, psychologists who can be deployed into conflict areas to help gather evidence and train people to mount successful prosecutions. And we're already training human rights defenders and peacekeepers in Bosnia, Mali, the DRC and on Syria's borders. Some of you might well be future members of that team of experts. The idea is that we can't wait until conflicts are over before seeking accountability. There has to be a credible deterrent threat during the conflict itself. And to that end, we've designed the first international protocol on how to document and investigate cases of sexual violence in conflict. We launched it at the summit, we've translated it into many languages, we've begun training people in its use in countries like Colombia and Nepal, and we're preparing to do the same now in Iraq. We're devising new training for peacekeepers since men in uniform are often the first people to come into contact with victims of rape in insecure areas. And sadly, they are sometimes the perpetrators of these crimes. And we've begun implementing this training in our work with the forces of other nations. But in this process, we've discovered major gaps in international understanding of how and why sexual violence occurs and how best to prevent it. A lack of reliable statistics about war zone rape. Why rape happens in some conflicts and not in others. Why it happens at certain stages of those conflicts and whether there is a pattern that can be predicted. How best to gather reliable and credible evidence of crimes within conflict areas to prompt swift action or form the basis for prosecutions. What are the best ways of protecting vulnerable communities during conflict? All of these questions. Need better answers. And this has convinced us of the need for a greater academic underpinning on these issues and the most effective ways of tackling them here in the UK, capable of working with experts in the field and universities around the world to create a critical mass of expertise and knowledge and the will to implement solutions. I was greatly inspired in this by visiting the Georgetown Institute of Women, Peace and Security, established with the help of Secretary Clinton. And in fact, I'm delighted to be able to share with you a couple of letters of support we received last night from two of the world's strongest champions of women's rights and of this initiative. I won't read them, uh, although they're quite lengthy letters and we'll publish them, but um, Secretary John Kerry of the United States of America writes to us this morning... This initiative, he says, would have been welcome at any moment, but it is especially timely now as we strive to prevent further atrocities by Daesh, Al-Qaeda, Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab and other terrorist groups that are kidnapping and abusing women and girls and consigning thousands into slavery. Women and girls are exploited ruthlessly by the global industry engaged in trafficking in persons. To all who are involved in this project, I say congratulations And I want you to know that the United States and our own great academic institutions and civil society will look forward to working closely with you in the months and years to come. Uh, Former Secretary Clinton writes, um, again I'll just read an extract, I look forward to the great work and contributions that the London School of Economics will make through this new centre, giving women the tools and resources to break the barriers that keep them from contributing and participating fully in their governments, economies, and societies remains the unfinished business of the 21st century. Thank you for the research, partnerships, and academic contributions you will make to this vital cause. You have my best wishes for great success in the years to come. Onward. Sincerely yours, Hillary Rodham Clinton. And we will shortly hear a message of support from Georgetown itself. So this centre will be part of a network of people across the world, working not only to shatter impunity for sexual violence in conflict, but also to advance the rights of women worldwide. There needs to be much greater focus on ending the exclusion and oppression of women in all settings, not just in conflict. And I'm convinced that the suppression of women's rights is the single greatest continuing injustice in the world certainly the greatest single source of untapped potential available to humanity, and the vital missing aspect of conflict resolution worldwide. Time and again as Foreign Secretary, I took part in summits and meetings where few or no women were present, and I saw the immense difficulty the UN and the international community had in living up to commitments to include women at the negotiating table, When it really came down to it. We have the legal frameworks and the UN resolutions that we need, What we now need is their actual implementation, breaking down the barriers to women's participation. To my mind, after 26 years as a Member of Parliament and everything I saw in four years as Foreign Secretary... The full social, political and economic empowerment of women is the great strategic prize of the 21st century. And this is where the UK should place its faith and its efforts. The sweep of history is about the enlargement of freedom and it's time to ensure that that freedom finally includes all women so that in 30 years' time we're not discussing the same terrible crimes and intolerable human suffering. So I'm proud to announce, finally, that the Ministry of Defence will disperse a million pounds of LIBOR funds provided by the Treasury to support the Centre during its first academic year, and that the Defence Academy of the United Kingdom, based at Trivenham, will also work with LSE to further the aims of the Preventing Sexual Violence Initiative. I want to thank the Chancellor of the Exchequer and the Defence Secretary for this, as well as the Secretary of State for International Development, who has put women and girls at the heart of the work of her department. We will continue our campaign to end the use of rape as a weapon of war, working with governments, individuals and institutions that have taken up this cause. But from today, we will also be able to work with the UK's first academic centre on women, peace and security, helping to provide the ideas and the rigorous academic understanding needed to expand equal rights, equal freedom and equal opportunity. And that is an immensely heartening and inspiring development. Thank you very much indeed.
2: Secretary Haig, Professor Calhoun, Professor Chinkin, thank you very much. Students and faculty of the London School of Economics, thank you. It is a great pleasure to be here in this great university. You are known for many impressive qualities, But from today, you will also be known as home to the United Kingdom's first academic center for women, peace, and security. And that is indeed a badge of honor. It sends a powerful message. It is time for the empowerment of women to be the highest priority for the finest minds in the best academic institutions. William has spoken out about our campaign against sexual violence and conflict, why after the G8 and the United Nations Security Council we have come to the London School of Economics, and the specific questions we hope that you can help us answer. So I would like to go straight to why I think the center is critically important. Let me say first that LSE, Center for Women, Peace, and Security, will belong to you and to the students who come after you. And the impact it has on the world will be down to you. It is your center, and I hope it will enrich your lives and give you new opportunities. But if you were to ask me who I think this center is for, I picture someone who is not in this room today. I think of a girl I met in Iraq three weeks ago. She is 13 years old, but instead of going to school, she sits on the floor of a makeshift tent, and instead of playing with her friends, she hides inside and covers her face because she was captured and kept as a sex slave by ISIS and raped repeatedly. Now she may never be able to complete her education or get married or have a family because in her society, victims of rape are shunned and considered shameful. her own brother committed suicide because he could not bear the dishonor. To my mind, what we have begun today at LSE is for that Iraqi girl and for others like her. It is for all those who pay the price for the culture of impunity for crimes against women and our collective failure to prevent conflict. But this is not a center that has been established simply because we value women or because women and girls around the world deserve our support and protection, of course they do. It is being set up by a university that focuses on shaping the world. Because a world without a clear path to defend and strengthen women is a world out of balance, where war, poverty, and loss of life will be more common. There is no stable future in a world in which crimes committed against women go unpunished in which young girls are unable to reach their potential, where children see their mothers disrespected, violated, and murdered, where it is considered acceptable for a husband to reject his wife and the mother of his children because she was raped, or normal for a woman to be forced to marry her rapist, for the security and development of our world, we have to advance the rights of women and root out violence and discrimination against them. My challenge to you is to think of that as the ultimate purpose of this new center, to be a crucible of ideas that could benefit millions of girls. Millions of girls whom going, for going to school, marrying freely, and having a good job are impossible dreams and brutal violence a daily reality. As students, you have the opportunity to find ways to overcome problems that others before you have brushed off as simply too difficult or not important. Our goal shouldn't be just to analyze these problems. It should be to find answers for them. And now is the time to do this because there is new political will and momentum. There are governments and leaders like William Haig stepping forward, backing the work of brave NGOs, doctors, and survivors. But we need that missing piece, the next generation of educated youth with inquisitive minds, fresh energy, and fight, who are willing not only to sit in the classroom, but to go into the field and into the courtrooms and to make a decisive difference. It is often said that there isn't enough hard data on sexual violence and conflict to truly understand the problem. You can fix that. It is often said that it is impossible to end impunity for crimes that take place in war zones let's demolish the barriers to gathering of evidence and the mounting of successful prosecutions. It is said there are not enough senior, skilled female leaders to take part in peace negotiations. Well, let's find them and bring them together and show that there's a better model. If, there, if the answer is for more innovation, let's bring together the best technical and creative minds, and come up with the answers. And if the answer is particular action by governments, let's muster the unassailable arguments for what needs to be done. As Williams said, let's attack these problems from all sides. I'm excited, I'm very excited, at the thought of all the students in the years to come who will study at the center, and their ability to contribute to changing the lives of thousands, if not millions, millions of girls around the world. So I'm very, very proud to be a part of this project, and I, I look forward to working with you. And where LSE leads, I hope others will
0: follow. Thank you. We now have a guest joining us by... Video. William mentioned the work of Hillary Clinton on this issue and read briefly from her letter and mentioned the center at Georgetown, the Institute for Women, Peace, and Security at Georgetown University. Angelina mentioned the importance of an emerging political will to tackle these issues. Milan Verveer, the executive director of the Georgetown Institute for Women, Peace, and Security, is an exemplar of this. She has been a leading campaigner in this field, Uh, For a number of years, working very closely with Hillary Clinton, and uh, starting from the Clinton administration when she was assistant to President Bill Clinton and chief of staff for Hillary Clinton when she was first lady. She has been the uh, founder, chair, and co-chair of the Vital Voices Global Partnership, which was founded with Hillary Clinton, and she was ambassador-at-large for global women's issues under President Obama. As I said, she now heads the Georgetown Institute for Women, Peace, and Security, and it is a pleasure to have a brief appearance from her on video.
3: Hello, everybody. Greetings from Georgetown University's Institute for Women, Peace, and Security. We are so thrilled to know about the launch of the LSC Center for Women, Peace, and Security, and we look forward to a close collaboration across the ocean on these critical issues. Let me thank just a few of the many people associated with your extraordinary liftoff to make this happen in a way that will certainly make a difference for our world. Uh, President Calhoun, uh, Secretary Haig, Baroness Gowdy, and so many others uh, who have worked long and hard uh, to get to this point. I think it is particularly timely uh, that just months after the extraordinary global summit uh, to uh, really confront sexual violence in conflict, that Angelina Jolie uh, and Foreign Secretary Haig so ably led and inspired uh, and brought so many of us from around the world together, from governments and from the survivors, Uh, to really grapple with one of the most serious challenges our world confronts uh, and the continuation of using this horrific tool of sexual violence uh, to perpetrate uh, not only the horrors that result, uh, but to use it as a real tool uh, to deal with the ends that combatants have in these civil conflicts. Uh, So much more needs to be done and as well as the timeliness of having this launch take place in the 15th anniversary year of the Security Council of the United Nations uh, passage of the resolution on Women, Peace and Security, resolution 1325 and all of the successor resolutions to really link the agency of women and the needs of women uh, to what happens to bring about peace and security uh, and to confront conflict wherever it happens. So the timeliness of what you created uh, with that global summit, the timeliness with what the United Nations did and continues to do, and the recognition that there is so much that we collectively need to do Uh, to get to a place where we can truly end uh, this violence and truly bring the agency of women uh, to participate in the amelioration of conflict uh, and in advancing peace and security. Those twin pillars uh, are so needed in our world today. And in order for that to happen, we recognize Uh, that we need the academic community and we need the role that the academic community can play in catalyzing uh, and bringing together uh, policymakers, practitioners uh, with the work that goes on every day at the university level. And it is so fitting that the London School of Economics, which is known around the world and is an exceptional global platform, a place where so many policymakers have gotten their know-how and their inspiration over the years uh, will now house this extraordinary much-needed project uh, the first of its kind in europe uh, and one that i know will go on to make a huge difference Uh, from all of us at georgetown who have uh, been engaged in this work on the other side of the ocean we hope that in the months to come we will be able to forge a close partnership uh, and work in a collaborative way to achieve our common cause. A cause that the world desperately needs, uh, that academic institutions such as the LSC can play a pivotal role uh, in advancing through scholarship, through research, through convenings, uh, through bringing together uh, those practitioners with experts of all, of all kinds uh, to advance this field. So thank you for all of the hard work that went into bringing you to this day uh, and most especially for all that you will do in the months and years to come. All the best from us.
0: Now. We are able to hear from the LSE faculty member, Professor Christine Chenkin, who has been leading the process, which is underway to organise the LSE Centre for Women, Peace and Security and bring this effort to fruition.
4: Thank you, Craig. Uh, Good afternoon, everybody. Um, Obviously, it was an enormous honour to have been asked by Professor Calhoun to be the inaugural director of the LSE Centre on Women, Peace and Security. I knew from the outset it was going to be a daunting task to build the teaching, research and public engagement agenda in response to the issues that have been so vividly and movingly raised by both Secretary of State Haig and Miss Angelina Jolie-Pitt in their previous speeches. What I hadn't anticipated was the daunting task of following them in making a speech. Um, but also, I am very much looking forward to working with both Mr. Haig and Miss Angelina Jolie Pitt and with Professor Begloff in the Institute of Global Affairs, and all those, and there are many, who have already provided support and assistance, both within the school and outside. And I'd like to take this opportunity to thank them. Um, can't obviously name all of them, but in particular those in Secretary of State Hague's office, and those from the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, Baroness Goody, and particularly within the school, Dr. Marsha Henry and Kana Yoshida who have provided enormous support and assistance over the past few months. On a completely personal note, 15 years ago, when the Security Council commenced its Women, Peace and Security agenda, I was especially delighted. My research and teaching programme for many years, with academic colleagues and activists in Australia, in the United Kingdom, elsewhere, had been focused on international law issues, relating to women's human rights, the inclusion of crimes against women, including sexual violence, within the jurisdiction of the then newly created international courts, and the effective prosecution of offenders, the need for inclusion of women in peace agreements and in post-conflict reconstruction. And some important normative steps had been taken throughout these years, for example, at the 4th World Conference on Women in Beijing in in 1995, and through the creation of those ad hoc international criminal tribunals in the former Yugoslavia and in Rwanda. But what happened in 2000, in Resolution 1325, was that the Security Council brought these and other developments into the United Nations agenda for the maintenance of international peace and security. The Security Council urged states and other actors to take the relevant legal and other measures that they were recommending to achieve those goals. But the rhetoric, and the rhetoric that then got repeated in a number of further resolutions in the 15 years since, was not matched by action. Further steps remained slow, again as as has been outlined in the two previous speeches. And so the Prevention of Sexual Violence Initiative, launched by William Hague and Ms. Jolie-Pitt in May 2012, did much to highlight the importance of making real progress on the ground, as well as the magnitude of the task of preventing sexual violence in armed conflict and ending impunity. It has brought new thinking into the foreign policy of many states. It's recognized as well, and this is where we come in, the need for new research knowledge and better vetting and synthesis of existing research knowledge as important for guiding the practical action on the ground on the issue of sexual violence and armed conflict. I've been extremely proud to have been a very small part of your PSVI initiative and again to have been given this role in taking it forward further. So the Centre will provide the opportunity and the space for furthering and coordinating the dual objectives of the Women, Peace and Security Security Council agenda and the PSVI agenda through applied research, teaching, and public outreach, building upon the strong interdisciplinary base here at the LSE in all these activities. It will seek to bring together multiple engagement partnerships of academics with policymakers in government with civil society activists and practitioners, with international institutions, with the military, with health experts, with survivors, in short, with the real world. For me in particular, it provides an opportunity to further my long-term commitment to ending the marginalisation of women's human rights in academia, including the women's right to be free from all forms of violence, both within armed conflict and in so-called normal peacetime situations, and through the synergy of working with all such others to seek real impact. So the idea is to produce new forms of knowledge, grounds for new policies through work across a range of disciplines and through diverse forms of output. As I said at the beginning, daunting and challenging. But I am delighted by the support that's been offered for this initiative, as indicated by the messages that we have heard this morning from across the Atlantic, by the financial contribution, um, which was also announced this morning, and which is extremely important, and also by your attendance here today. I look forward to working with many of you as we move forward from this launch to making the centre a vibrant and exciting hub through which engagement and impact on PVSVI and Women, Peace and Security and other related matters can be maximized. Thank you.
0: Thank you again, and to Secretary of State Haig, and to Special Envoy Angelina Jolie Pitt, and to my colleague Kristen Shinken. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.